This episode is brought to you by Word Tracker. Word Tracker reveals thousands of long tail keywords using data from Google, Word Tracker, and Amazon. Find the keywords you need, save, edit, and filter all in one place. Try out Word Tracker's new Inspect feature where you can utilize the power of natural language processing to analyze pages and reveal competitive keywords. Check out Word Tracker at wordtracker.com. Never write an ad or promotion that your landing page can't cache. You can see what the top 10 pages are on your website, but should they have been the top 10 pages on your website? Google's solution to this problem of negative SEO and bad links coming into a site was the disavow tool. Welcome to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast, where top authors and industry leaders share authoritative best practices in online marketing. All right, welcome back to the OMCP studio, and with us today is Matt Bailey, author, educator, and CEO of SiteLogic. Matt is at the forefront of digital marketing best practices training for some of the largest brands in the world. I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and today we'll be discussing how to determine search intent for SEO and putting pages together. Uh, Matt, welcome to OMCP's Best Practices Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the invitation and always fun uh, to have a conversation with you. So I'm looking forward to it. I know. And we tend to go off on all kinds of fun tangents. We'll allow for a little bit of that today. Uh, But we will convey some of the best practices for search intent. I know a lot of SEOs are struggling with this, trying to figure out what do I put on the page that allows me to rank? And so much of it has to do with addressing search or intent. But before we get into that, I just want our audience to know you are the author of Internet Marketing an Hour a Day, published by Wiley Cybex. I know I was uh, grateful to be the technical editor on that, and that was yes. fun. Uh, and then uh, you have a new book out, and I believe that is uh, Teaching... Walk me through, because I always get it backwards, right? Teach New Dogs old tricks. Okay, good. And that, uh, that is available on Amazon. Yes. And uh, if I remember right, this goes to the core of how sales training actually helped build out a digital marketing industry for you. Absolutely. And allowed you to help people. And there's a lot of insights in there. Give mm-hmm. us a quick synopsis. Quick synopsis. So we're going to talk about searcher intent. Yep. And one of the things I learned in sales is how to drill down to what people really need, listening to the words they say. And it's the concept of mirroring. So if you are telling me, Matt, what I'm really looking for is I want a phone that does these things, uh, cost is a consideration, and this is what I'm looking for. What I learned from that is I'm going to repeat the highlights of what you said, and when I present it, I'm going to ask you, does it look good? Because you used language that says you're more visual because you said, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I want to see. So I'm going to use that type of language. I'm also going to listen to the keywords, the selling points, what you're looking for. That's intent. And I'm going to say it back to you, mm-hmm. maybe rephrased. But what that does is it lets you know that I've listened to you and, oh, he knows what I'm looking for. So it gives you confidence that I've listened, I understand, I'm using your same words, and I'm using your same style. And that's sales. But we do the same thing online with search or intent. So a lot of teach new dogs old tricks is understanding the why. Why do we do some of these things? What's the psychological reason behind it? And also, once you understand them, it makes you better, not only in sales, but in communication overall with people. 
All right, teaching new dogs old tricks. Check it out on Amazon, and uh, it sounds like that'll boost your knowledge of how to address searcher intent. For best practices, Matt, a lot of folks who are, um, you know, they crack their knuckles, they're looking at their web page, it's blank. They have to fill it out. <laughs> and, you know, this came up recently because I was given a session on SEO for writers. I felt like I, I touched on searcher intent. And yet, you know, I didn't have the time in the session to fully explain what it meant. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I did say, and then we can maybe branch off of that for some of the uh, some of the best practices. What I did say is I said, we need to understand that the search engines are trying to put the most relevant pages up top mm-hmm. because by getting trusted users or trusting users, um, they have more inventory to advertise to. So it behooves them to make more advertising revenue if they have lots of customers who trust the results. So it's in everybody's interest to put the most relevant pages to the top. And one of the ways that we know that Google and some of the other search engines are assessing whether a page is relevant is if somebody doesn't come back and click on another result in the search engine results page, right? And so that generally is a signal that that page is relevant and that's a hint to the search engines to leave it up in a higher ranking Mm -hmm. position. So what keeps somebody on the page? And, and I, that's, a, that's all I gave them. I said, look, if you're addressing the searcher's intent, then, you know, that's a way to keep somebody on the page. But obviously there's more opportunity beyond that. Oh, absolutely. So what's something you can think of that would help somebody determine search intent in the first place? Mm-hmm. I would recommend for anyone who's doing any marketing, SEO, anything like that, a great resource is Think with Google. Mm-hmm. Google is publishing a lot of their research data. And one of the things that they talk about are what are called micro moments in search. And a micro moment is when you pull out your phone and you've got a a need. And they've grouped these micro moments into four major categories of, I want to know, I want to go, I want to buy, and I want to do. And those are what are driving most searches. And so that initiates this look into intent. What do people want? What are they looking for? What do they want to accomplish? And so to me, this isn't just the foundation of SEO. This is the foundation of paid search. It's the foundation of content marketing. It's the foundation of social. It's the it's the foundation of knowing what your customers actually want. And so I have found that the more time you spend researching keywords researching customer intent from search data, the easier it is to optimize, to develop campaigns, to create content, because what you're developing is really a cross-reference of what people are searching for. And when you understand that, everything gets easier. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm writing to what the searchers are telling me is important. You know, you told me a story earlier before we started the recording um, about somebody who had good intent in a, one of your sessions raised their hand and said, Hey Matt, why don't we rank for X? And they put out a very generic term, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, like a one word term that had plenty of meanings. And then you went through a dialogue asking that person who I think represented the sales side, mm-hmm. right? Um, a couple of questions that further refined how the keyword might bring in more qualified visitors. Can you recall that story for us? Yeah. Um, and this comes up fairly often. 
you know, usually people are looking at, well, this term gets a million searches. Yeah. Why aren't we focusing on that? Well, let's examine this. Uh, first of all, what do you see when you search on that term? And chances are you're going to see Wikipedia at the top. If it's a single word term, you're going to see Merriam-Webster. You're going to... Definitions. So right away, that tells you that what Google is showing you, if they're showing you definitions or what it is, then they're seeing that people are searching for the word simply based to know what it is. Does that define our customer? Now, let's look at the word and, and figure out what do people want? If they're searching for the single word, do they really want our product? Or are they just trying to figure out what it is? Now, if they search for that word plus our brand name, absolutely. And we'll probably rank for that anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Now, if they search for that word with a problem, if they search with it based on uh, a brand name of an associated system, now that tells me they're doing research. Mm -hmm. Does this fit with this? If they're searching on how-tos, if they're searching on, you know, and so what we're trying to find is, who are people that are at the beginning of the buying cycle and what would be the most likely terms they would use? Right. Who are people in the research phase? What would be terms they're most likely to use? Where are people in the decision phase? These are, and especially if you're looking at, you know, one example, this was a major software purchase. So you're going to have people from IT doing research, people actually using it, doing the research, probably people from purchasing, you know, maybe HR getting involved. What are they looking at? It's got to fit their requirements. And I love that you asked this salesperson, what would your customer use to describe the problem? What yes. kind of modifier? So if we just used a simple word like security, right? Mm -hmm. Security can mean so many things. Security <laughs> can mean the security on my house, right? It can mean security and a stock or an investment. Security can mean, you know, cyber security, right? It can or mean a lot of things. Or a pet or a right. blanket. Yeah. I mean, let's, yeah. <laughs> it can go let's beyond. Just, and, and that's what I've noticed yeah. is especially in these single words, mm -hmm. people are thinking of their industry themselves. My favorite example is nested tables. Yes. Okay. When I hear nested tables, I think of programming. Right. When my wife hears nested tables, she thinks of furniture. So who's right? We both are. It's the context. And usually a single word like security, mm -hmm. what's the context? There's no context to a single word search, which is why they get so many. And then people invariably, this is when you watch people. This is when you give them a task. The refining process begins. Absolutely. Because how many of those millions of searches are people typing the word in going, this isn't what I want. And then the very <laughs> next thing they do is try a refinement. Yes. And then they don't like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so then they try another refinement and they start seeing what they want. Mm -hmm. And I think your idea of, of walking that sales uh, person through the process of what would your customer do was quite telling, right? Mm -hmm. Because within a few minutes of that conversation, you would start seeing the modifiers that would align for a better uh, searcher intent to address on the page. Let's say that they started searching for, you know, the word solution or tool, right? Mm -hmm. Or comparison to other tools or something. Well, now we're looking at security tools, right? Is security tool something that monitors the cameras at your house or is it something that addresses threats, you know, in the cybersecurity world? Right. Right. And, and those those are the places where the engines are going to bring something up. So I think the, the first takeaway here that's important uh, for best practices is do the search on Google. Mm -hmm. 
and look at the results. You pointed that out earlier. And take a look if the first page is Wikipedia, then Google with a lot of machine learning and a lot of experience has learned that the intent for people who are searching for a simple phrase like mm -hmm. nested tables is probably what's the definition of those. <laughs> or, well, and, you know. and now what we've got to deal with is Wikipedia is not even going to be number one. What's going to be number one is Google itself with a snippet from Wikipedia or another site. Yeah, position zero. Yeah, it, giving you the definition. So now you're not even getting a click through of someone going to your site because Google for simple questions, Google is giving simple answers. Yep. And you don't even have to click through to go to the site. Mm -hmm. So if you see Google is doing that, right away, that should tell you, is it worth it to compete for this? Because you're competing against Google itself. And I have seen, I have seen product companies manage to rank for a definition phrase, a very broad definition yeah. phrase, by coming up with an authoritative page. Mm-hmm that does a better job of explaining what Wikipedia does, yeah. gains a ton yeah. of authoritative links, and has been there for a while, mm -hmm. and they rank at the top. Then you get into your analytics. And this is where I love talking about the long tail. And unfortunately, it's a concept that I've had to re-explain it lately because I think we've got a, like a whole new generation in doing this work, and a lot of the body of research has already been done and it doesn't come up often. So the long tail tells us that there are going to be top terms that every month are going to show up as your top referring terms. And usually when we look at our analytics reports, we look at the top terms. Oh yeah, single terms. And, and if you looked at just that, you would be distracted because this is my concept of big numbers lie. That when you just look at the big numbers, it's going to lie to you because you're going to think that those are the most important terms. And what it doesn't tell you after your top 10 terms are tens of thousands of other terms that maybe get searched on two times, five times, a dozen times a month. Yet when you tie together all of the data, what this will tell you is all these terms that are searched on a few times a month, if you add them up, add up to be more, significantly more, than that top 10 term. With more qualified customers who are ready to learn about what you have. Yep. Because as they use more modifiers, they go to different pages specifically about that content. Then you connect it to your sales or lead data. And what you'll find is the inverse of the Pareto principle. So the Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. That 80% or what is it? Like 80% of my income comes from 20% of my users. Right. Okay. This is the opposite of the long tail. The long tail will tell you that 20% of your visitors come for very popular single word terms, and they will only produce 20% of your income. Mm -hmm. Whereas 80% of your users will use modifiers, four to five, six word phrases, go to the page that is specific to it, and if 80% of your visitors come in that way, 80% of your revenue is created that way. So it's, it's almost an, a reverse of the 80-20, that it's a true 80-20, <laughs> if that, if I'm explaining it correctly or clearly. <laughs> you got the right word. But yeah, yeah. 80% will be extended search phrases, modifiers. And that will produce 
largely 80% of your revenue. And I can honestly say probably every analytics, every business I've looked at, it happens. Regardless of whether or not you're optimizing, regardless of whether you're doing anything or not, it just naturally happens that way. You know, the um, a great tool that I found for taking a look at what's going on with Longtail, and by the way, for those of you who don't know what Longtail is, that we're talking about the... You touched on it, oh, Matt, yeah, but to, yeah. Yeah, to be clear, uh, it's it, these are search terms that rarely occur but are highly specific. Mm-hmm. And so the reason it's called long tail is when you look at a graph of the top search terms down to the, in terms of frequency, uh, it's the thin long tail of many different terms that only show up a few times. Uh, is I, I love using Search Console from Google yes. inside of Google Analytics. And what I'll do is I'll use a regular expression to filter the terms and show me the terms that include my favorite keyword that I really would like to rank for generic. And so it's inclusive of all of the modifications of those terms that I rank for maybe on page 12 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, actually, I don't think it goes that far, but maybe let's just say page three or four. Mm -hmm. And um, it shows the click-through rate and it shows, you know, my improvements over time and it it shows how many people came through for those. And then later on, once I find out the page, it's not intuitive. They don't tell you what page they came to in that report, but you can pretty much figure that out by using other tools and seeing where that page ranks for. Mm-hmm. And then I go back into Google Analytics and see what the conversion rate was for people who entered on that page. And this is a great sign. Uh, you know, another way to uh, to dig in and find out a little bit more about commercial intent, and I think that's what a lot of the people are looking yes. for, is how do, we, how do we get people who had commercial intent, is to go into the Keyword Planner tool in AdWords and when you type in a phrase, if it's a competitive phrase, you can see which ones are getting the highest bids. Yeah. And that's a hint as to what might be commercial intent for that keyword. So that's yeah. another tool. Well, now, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I also use Bing's Webmaster Tools. Yes. Because Bing will show me the word, where it ranks, and the associated page. Oh, they will match it up. Yes. So dump that to Excel spreadsheet and V. If you look yeah. up in your home. No, you, it's Bing's algorithm. <laughs> yeah. It's Bing's algorithm, not Google's. But usually when I look at my value per visitor, Bing sends me higher value visitors, just less of them. Mm-hmm. So depends on your market. Yeah, right. yeah. Um so yeah, and and that's a thing, uh, unfortunately, with Google not showing us keywords, we can't really get to that data anymore. Google's uh in the AdWords interface, they're combining keywords. And this is their machine learning. So, for example, one that we looked at all the time uh, was people searching for pool table versus pool tables. Google will now tell you to bid on pool table, uh, and they will include pool tables, plural, in your campaign. That That's the same intent. And from doing all this research, I'm sitting there going, no, that's not the same intent that there is a massive amount of difference between people looking between plural and singular. And what this just, what we've seen is when people are searching for plural, they're shopping. When they search for singular, they're ready to buy. And so for Google to say in the, you know, this is the same term, just use interchangeably. No. And they should know better. And and, and, <laughs> right. and there's, a, there's a world of difference yeah. in singular and plural. Before they took away the keywords, we could put a number value on 
the singular and plural. And we knew that plural is going to convert at this rate and produce this much revenue. Singular is going to convert at this rate and produce this much revenue because of the intent behind it. And you just learn what are people thinking when they use plural, when they use singular, when they use this word as opposed to that word. What are What's going on in their minds? And it takes a lot of putting yourself in that buyer's position or actually going and talking to people. Uh, and so this was my favorite thing to do is actually go to the company and anyone who's selling pool tables, let's keep that going. Uh, go to the floor and talk to people. What are you looking for? Did you ever own one before? What did you like, not like? What's important to you? Uh, what's your fear in buying? Usually the fear was, will it fit? Yep. <laughs> you know, so, no, that's, that's important. you know, and so you find out what's on their brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you go back and you look at the keyword research data and how are they taking what's in their brain and putting it into a search term. And that that whole, just to bring it full circle for mm-hmm. what might affect what goes on the page, if you learned that people's intent and in research was to find out if it would fit, and that was the number one thing that came up, then if you put something on the page that addressed what the clearance should be on either side of a pool table, therefore this size pool table would require this size minimum room, don't you think that that would engage visitors Mm -hmm. enough to stay on the page and keep them from going back to the search engine results page, therefore showing your page is most relevant? And also you're writing content that's more valuable. Mm -hmm. Like how to know if a pool table, you know, if you're building a man cave and you want a pool table, what size do you need? Mm -hmm. And different tables will have different requirements. So, but now you're creating more engaging content rather than just, oh, it's, you know, pool table tip Tuesday. Right. Uh, you know, something like that <laughs> where you. you're, where you're like, oh, it's Tuesday. I got to write something. Yeah. Well, and this, so when we actively did client work, when we got a new client, we would probably spend at least a week doing keyword research. I'd have five to six people five to six hours a day doing nothing but keyword research. Number one, getting the global view, how many words are relevant. Let's just get as many as we can. Put them into a spreadsheet and then we start dividing them. Okay, what are intent? How many have a location? How many have, uh, you know, let's look at our primary group keywords. Let's group them according to that. Okay, now let's regroup them. Let's regroup them according to buying cycle. How many are looking for, you know, research terms? How many are looking for early search terms, late search terms? Okay, now let's divide them by questions. What questions are they asking? What information do they want to know? So what this helps us is, number one, understand the buying cycle for that particular product. Helps us understand any location, brand associations, issues, But what was really cool was when we started looking at what questions people were asking. Because now all of a sudden we started to build a framework for content. That people are asking these questions, but when we look at the website, are we answering those questions? And no, we're not. So we're not going to rank for the questions people are asking. So now it transforms your content strategy because now I know what questions people are asking. And I can go look at my site. I don't have the content. Or if I do have the content, it's not, you know, does it fit in the room? That's a practical, hard-edged question that actually makes an answer. And I'm amazed at how much of our web content 
doesn't really answer anything. And we're assuming we know the question. And it comes to a, a sense of arranging. In, in my session with writers, they were very eager. How do we arrange the page? Yeah. And in that sense, if you know that somebody's researching uh, pool tables and they want to come to the page, if there was a section close up in the top that said, here are the top 10 questions people have about pool tables, mm-hmm. now that draws them into the content. And then you can offer... Do you know if it fits? Do you know if the table, if the top will last? Is it coin operated? I mean, yeah. you know, all these modifiers that help. But the point is, is that now people who are looking for information about these are drawn into the content. They can navigate the page and stay on the page or maybe even further into the site. And now we have presented a relevant page yep. that keeps people from signaling to the search engines that it's not relevant by going back and clicking on something else. You know, and now our page is structured in a way that those answers are presented mm-hmm. in, a, in a meaningful and easy access format, uh, especially oh, and, on mobile to yeah, folks. And yeah. it even goes so like, and, and as far as content and ranking. So one of the, for one client, we were able to figure out all these questions. And then all of a sudden it just, it opened up a whole new, like, let's do a series of videos, 20 second videos of how not to do this. Mm-hmm. So for example, if this were a pool thing, it was what could go wrong if your room's too small? And it's, you know, pulling back the stick and poking your friend in the stomach, spilling, you know, drinks and knocking out windows. And they created this series and it was engaging because it was funny of, you know, I bought the wrong size. So now based on the search terms, we had an idea of we could create content around this. And now it created this great campaign. They were able to write scripts, get the video. And and so, and what they were telling us is not only did the campaign work well, we spent less money because we knew what we wanted the video guys to do. And we told them the concept, we showed them the scripts. Everything was done quickly. Usually when we do a video shoot, we had no idea what we were doing. And the video guys are standing around until we would figure it out. now that they repurposed them, they put them on YouTube. They uh, used them in emails. They they also did it as an education campaign to previous customers, asking them if they had these problems. And they had previous customers turning their old tables in and buying new ones <laughs> because of yeah. you know. And so it was repurposed all the way. But it started by learning the questions people asked yeah. and the concerns that they had, and how do we address that? Yeah. So one great way that uh, I think you pointed out is you said in this conversation you had with this person who started out thinking we should rank for a generic term, you led them through the process of saying, what would your customer be typing in to describe the problem? And then the concept of observation, of watching a customer search for something like this is so telling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a couple of resources. Let's just go back and, and talk about them. The first off, where there was the um, Think with Google resource that yeah. talks about the four different types of searches that they categorize. Um, there is the typical teaching that you see in SEO, transactional, navigational, and uh, informational, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can look at it that way. Uh, you can go to the search engine results pages and look at you know what Google is putting in. Yes. It's a pretty good bet that they are getting a good idea of what people are looking for on that page. And what are you competing with? Am I competing against video? Am yeah. I competing against local results? Am I competing against news? Am I, it, it, you know, look and see where mm. the opportunities are, but look what you're competing against because Google will change the results based on the type of search it is. 
one thing that I we have the transactional stuff like that. One thing I love to add to that list, pain. Is there pain being expressed? Mm -hmm. So someone typing in, you know, breached cybersecurity. Right. That's a pain point. (laughs) And which means the motivation to find an answer is right now. Yeah. And so if I can find those pain point searches, there is an immediate opportunity to let's help you solve your problem. Yeah. It's procedures. Here's the procedures that you should be using. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And those are high motivational, high converting because they need it now. Yeah. The other resource that we have is going in for commercial intent and you can get some hints by using the paid search uh, keyword planner tools that will show you who's bidding high. You can see that in uh, SEMrush and and in other tools as well. So those are the resources to, uh, to get a hint Mm-hmm. at searcher intent and of course in the next phase and if we can get you back yeah. in the studio next time Matt we'll talk about what I'm gonna throw yeah I'm gonna throw in word tracker you got one word more, tracker yeah. is like one of my favorite uh, because I can look at different countries mm-hmm. I can look at uh, different amounts uh, there's a lot of filtering tools within it as well so it's probably one of my favorite tools and where do you find word tracker it's wordtracker.com. There we go. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, wordtracker.com. Make sure. And if that's different, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, that's all the time we have today for talking about searcher intent. Uh, I know, Matt, you and I will be doing a few more podcasts. Some of them will go on Endless Coffee Cup. Endless Coffee Cup, which is on you can get there by sitelogic.com. Yes. Also, uh, check out Matt's uh, training schedule. Uh, and see if you want to book him to come in and train your marketing teams and best practices in digital marketing. Matt's got an incredibly good history of great results in helping teams uh, achieve their potential. So sitelogic.com, right, yeah, Matt? Yeah, that's it. And uh, check out his book, uh, Teaching New Dogs Old Tricks, available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, give that a read. Matt, thanks so much for coming in the studio today. Thanks for the invitation, Mike. Always fun. I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and you've been listening to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast. OMCP maintains the certification standards for the online marketing industry in cooperation with industry leaders just like Matt. Join us inside of OMCP to maintain your certification, get special offers, and hang out with other certified professionals, universities, and training programs that value the OMCP standards. You'll network with other certified professionals or trainers while helping OMCP maintain an excellent standard. Membership is only $40 each year, so we'll see you inside of OMCP as a certified professional where we'll be learning and improving our professional careers and teams together.